Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mugshot. I'm your host, Lindsay. This episode of Mugshot was co-created by Wendy Scripps, who assisted with research and writing. Today's Mugshot, Leona Helmsley, the Queen of Mean. Arrested for Federal Income Tax Evasion. What would you do if you had money? I mean real money. Would you pay off debts, maybe help out family or gift to charity? Many of us, while we would surely treat ourselves, wouldn't actually lose ourselves in the process. But today's story shows how some certainly do, and one who earned the name of Queen of Mean in the process. Leona Mindy Rosenthal was born on Independence Day 1920 in Marbletown, New York. Marbletown is a small town located in Ulster County with a population of about 2,017 people at the time. Even today, only around 6,000 people reside in the area. The town of only 55 square miles boasts of scenic landscape, mountain views, and abundant farmland, as well as being rich in architectural heritage and has four nationally registered historical districts. Leona's parents were Ida, a homemaker, and Morris, a hatmaker, both Polish-Jewish immigrants. She had a sister named Sylvia and a brother named Alvin, although she stayed closest to her brother throughout her life. Very little about Leona's early life is known, at least what can actually be proven, as she's made several suspect claims. The Rosenthals did move at least six times during her childhood, and would eventually settle down in Manhattan. Leona primarily grew up in Brooklyn and attended Abraham Lincoln High School. Some reports claim she dropped out of high school to seek a fortune, while others claim that she did graduate high school, but didn't attend college. Following high school, however that ended, Leona changed her name multiple times in a very short period of time. She was known as Lee Roberts, Mindy Roberts, and Lenny Roberts. She eventually settled on Leona Mindy Roberts and legally changed her name. While no one knows for sure why, it was believed that she gave up her surname due to the anti-Semitism running rampant during those times. With her new identity, Leona was determined to make a name for herself. She claimed to have worked for many years as a model for Chesterfield cigarettes, but this claim hasn't been founded. However, she was known as a chain smoker for most of her life, consuming multiple packs each day. She apparently worked a variety of odd jobs, including at a sewing factory, before she became a secretary with a real estate agency, where she would eventually become vice president. This became the start of her lifelong career in the industry. 
1940, Leona married attorney Leo E. Panzier, with the marriage ending 12 years later. Together, they had a son named J. Robert Panzier, born shortly after they were married. Sadly, Jay died on March 31, 1982, in Florida at the age of 42, from a heart attack as a result of arrhythmia. He left behind his third wife, Mimi, and four children, Craig, Megan, David, and Walter. In 1952, or 53, the date isn't quite certain, Leona married Joseph Joe Lubin. Joe worked as an executive in his family's dyeing and finishing garment company. They divorced in 1954, only to remarry again in 1956. By 1958, they were divorced again and for the last time. Leona rarely mentioned Joe later in her life. In 1968, while working as a condominium broker, Leona met and began having an affair with married real estate entrepreneur Harry Helmsley. As with most things in Leona's life, there are two sides to every story. The story, according to those who were there, is that she met Harry at the annual dinner of the Realty Foundation of New York. It was at this dinner that Leona reportedly asked fellow brokers to point out Harry to her. She then, quote, made a beeline to him. Harry, whose passion after real estate was dancing, had attended the event alone that year. His wife at the time, Eve, was retired and preferred to stay home, so Harry was scanning the room for a dance partner when Leona showed up at his side, and within minutes, they were waltzing across the dance floor gracefully. They continued to dance all night. But Leona seems to remember her meeting with Harry a little differently. She stated in multiple interviews that Harry came after her. He had discovered that she was making six-figure commissions as a broker and wanted her to work for him. She initially turned him down, saying that he couldn't afford her. But she finally said yes with the agreement that she would receive a $500,000 annual salary. But those who knew her then say there was no way she made any more than $75,000 tops when she was on her own. She wasn't six-figure money back then. Beyond that, colleagues said that she was only hired as a broker at first, and the department she worked in couldn't have afforded to pay Leona a half a million dollar salary a year. She had to have been lying. So, it may be that Leona created her own story in an effort to throw off anyone who wanted to label her as a home-wrecking gold digger. Neither story can be declared as truth, so maybe it was a little of both. In 1971, Leona moved into a penthouse apartment at the Gallery House. This is where she and Harry would rendezvous on a regular basis. They would often dine at the back table of a French restaurant just down from here. They were regulars and would often conduct business there as well. On one occasion, one of Harry's closest aides met them there and said that throughout the meeting, Leona was nuzzled up to Harry and whispering in his ear and making flattering remarks about him to the table. And he wasn't the only one to say this. Other brokers and executives believed all along that Leona was out to break up Harry and Eve's marriage so she could have him all to herself. A longtime friend of Leona's family confirmed that this was true. 
and said that she often boasted that Harry was going to be hers. And she seemed to be quite determined, as it was not a short affair. It continued for about two years in total. While Harry had an eye for business, he was not as savvy when it came down to women. He was won over with Leona's flirtatious behavior and their whimsical romance. It was like the woman had a magical hold over him, but Harry held fast to his marriage with Eve, often leaving Leona on the back burner. During the 1971 grand opening of Manhattan's newest luxury hotel, the fabulous Park Lane Hotel, Harry had Eve by his side to officially open the doors to the public. They even moved into the duplex penthouse of the hotel. This was lush living for a frugal couple who invested in Harry's business adventures and not themselves. It appeared that this was their reward for all of their hard work, and besides, they were nearing retirement age and they needed a little luxury in their lives. Leona, on the other hand, was not going to continue being in second place in Harry's life. She had a plan to make him hers for good. And it worked. Three months after Harry and Eve moved into Park Lane, Harry told Eve that their marriage was over and that he was planning to marry Leona. Harry would go on to tell her everything about the affair. Now, Eve was not the type to argue, and while she was sad, she went along with Harry's wishes for a divorce. Eve was a reasonable woman, and she and Harry continued daily conversations in finalizing all of the details. So how exactly did Leona finally convince Harry to leave his wife? Well, she did confide in one of her closest friends the shocking details of how she manipulated Harry to marry her. You see, she said that there was a man in Atlanta, Georgia, that was head over heels in love with her and wanted to marry her so much that he sent her a diamond ring with a letter and gave her 10 days to decide if she wanted to marry him. This meant that Harry had 10 days to make his decision to decide if he wanted to end his marriage with Eve and finally marry her. Or else, she was marrying the man from Atlanta. Harry had even seen the ring and the letter, as well as an apartment filled with flowers from Leona's Southern gentleman. Eve, for one, was shocked that Harry believed such a story. Not surprisingly, many years later, it would be revealed that Leona's sister, who had recently married and moved to Georgia, had actually sent the flowers, ring, and the letter to set up the ultimatum. To top it all off, the diamond was fake. Alas, the plan worked, and on April 8, 1972, Harry and Leona married. This began the shift of Leona's focus from her own career to managing Harry's hotel empire. As it turned out, just the year before, in 1971, Leona was sued by several of her tenants who claimed that she coerced them into buying condos. Basically, she had given them no other option. The tenants won the suit, and the courts required that Leona not only compensate them, but she also had to give them three-year leases. In addition, her real estate license was suspended. But this was no mind to Leona. She had just married one of the most successful real estate developers in America, and she had already switched her attention to the Helmsley Empire. 
Leona was instrumental in influencing Harry to begin a large-scale project of converting apartment buildings around the city into condos. To her upset, that was short-lived, as Harry was most interested in the luxury hotel industry. In addition to buildings he already owned, such as the Empire State Building, Lincoln Building, and the 230 Park Avenue, or better known as the Helmsley Building, Harry made plans to develop more, with Leona there to help him manage the properties. Leona became the public face of the Helmsley-developed hotel and its chains. Some of the more popular hotels include the Park Lane, that was originally opened with Harry's first wife, Eve, the New York Helmsley Hotel, Windsor Hotel, and the most popular, as well as Leona's favorite, the Helmsley Palace Hotel. This hotel was where the moniker Queen of Mean reportedly took off. Leona participated in an advertisement campaign in which she portrayed herself as the Queen of the Palace of the Helmsley Palace Hotel. The ads ran in the Times Magazine, and in the 1980s, they became a symbol of celebration of wealth. The idea was that Leona would not settle for skimpy towels. Why would you, she'd say. She also just couldn't go without a phone in the bath. She was known as a queen who only wanted the best for the guests at her hotels. And it worked as bookings increased significantly and Leona became a household name. But behind the scenes, she treated others just the opposite. According to those close to her, the Queen of Mean nickname was because of her outrageous personality and tyrannical behavior towards her employees, family members, and even her peers. Leona was a shrewd businesswoman, and as a couple, she and Harry were very powerful in the real estate development industry. While Harry was much more sensible and calm, Leona was known for her abusive antics. For example, one such instance occurred when Leona was dining with infamous attorney Alan Dershowitz. If you're not familiar, he's one of the most high-profile defense attorneys for people such as Patty Hearst and O.J. Simpson back in the day. More recently, he's represented Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, during their breakfast, a cup of tea was served that had liquid spilled on the saucer. You know, just how any normal amount may sneak over the edge of the cup as you walk. When it was placed in front of her, Leona became enraged and threw the cup to the floor and told the waiter to beg her not to fire him for being so careless. And that's just one story. She was known to belittle her employees and make rude, disparaging remarks to them. Her behavior was so awful that employees created an incognito communication warning system to alert each other when she was out and about in the hotels. Her employees were terrified of her. And Leona's hair-trigger temper was not just reserved for her employees. She was no different with her own family members. Following her son's death in 1982, Leona served her daughter-in-law an eviction notice since the home she lived in was Helmsley-owned property. She also successfully sued her own son's estate for $146,092 that she claimed he had borrowed from her, but failed to repay prior to his death. This resulted in her four grandchildren receiving an inheritance from their father of around $400.
It's not a leap that Leona's relationships with her family and most of her friends were full of contempt and disrespect. After all, you get what you give in many cases, and it only fueled the endless circle of anger. If you did her wrong, because she did you wrong, then she did you wrong again, and even worse. The only person she seemed to have any true respect for was Harry, and even that's questionable. So, Leona Helmsley isn't too great, right? But does that make her a criminal? Well, there's a lot more to this story, and we'll find out after the break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back from the break. In 1983, the Helmsleys purchased a weekend retreat in Greenwich, Connecticut. Dunnellen Hall was a 21-room, 17,000-square-foot mansion on 20 acres of private land. The purchase price was $11 million. Even though the property was immaculate, the Helmsleys wanted to make it even more luxurious. They added a million-dollar marble dance floor, a silver clock, mahogany card table, a swimming pool enclosure, a $130,000 sound system, as well as many, many other upgrades, as well as landscaping. The renovation itself totaled an extra $8 million. But darn if she wasn't going to let her late son get away with not paying her back. In fact, the Helmsleys were known for disputing money everywhere, including bills and payments to both contractors and vendors. True to fashion, they disputed the invoices for all of the renovations and in some cases refused certain payments due to claims of poor workmanship. However, these contractors weren't having it. They'd put in time and money for a multi-million dollar renovation. This wasn't just something you back down from and accept. In retaliation, they sued the Helmsleys for non-payment, and they won. The contractors were eventually paid. Well, at least mostly paid. Not all. A detail that was enough to spark a rage in the vendors and contractors. You see, during the proceedings in court, the contractors indicated that a large majority of their work was billed as business expenses, even though this work was completed on a private home. When the payments weren't fully made, the contractors sent stacks of falsified invoices to the New York Post, 
to show that the Helmsleys were attempting to avoid tax liabilities. The newspapers verified what they had been given and did their own little investigation. They wrote a story that would be sure to blow people's socks off. One of the wealthiest, most elite couples were criminals. In fact, the series of articles released by the New York Post were so mind-blowing, they led to an official federal investigation which, in turn, opened many tightly sealed closets where the Helmsleys had their tax-evading skeletons hidden. As it turns out, and despite the fact that they had a combined net worth of over a billion dollars, and that they paid more than $50 million a year in taxes on the income of their vast holding, the Helmsleys were still trying to avoid paying taxes on personal items. The criminal investigation uncovered that Leona demanded that their executive engineer sign invoices that stated personal expenses be billed to the company. Of course, if he refused, Leona went into one of her rages and yelled and cursed at him, threatening to fire him from his job and leave him in utter ruin. What choice did he have? One example of what was eventually determined to be tax evasion was as follows. 1986 court documents show that Leona did not pay $40,000 in sales tax on $485,000 worth of jewelry she had purchased from the exclusive Manhattan store Van Cleef and Arbels. Two senior store officers were indicted on charges that indicated that customers with addresses outside of New York had their jewelry mailed to them and therefore avoided paying city and state taxes. In response, Leona's attorney stated that she believed the total price she had paid included taxes. The two employees eventually pled guilty and Leona was granted immunity because she testified against them. In 1988, then-U.S. Attorney Rudy Giuliani indicted the Helmsleys on approximately 188 tax-related charges and extortion. You may recognize his name as the 107th mayor of New York City and the attorney for President Donald Trump. The trial was repeatedly delayed by the Helmsleys' attorney, primarily due to Harry's health. Based on a medical evaluation and due to declining health that included a stroke and pre-existing heart condition, as well as deficiencies in his memory and ability to reason, Harry was found unfit both mentally and physically to stand trial. This meant that Leona, the Queen of Mean, would have to stand trial alone. The trial began on June 26, 1989, and would last two months. Testimony was heard from several of the Helmsley's employees as well as executives within the company. At least two executives testified that they refused to sign fake invoices that billed the company for personal expenses. One reported that Leona fired him multiple times for insubordination, but that Harry would tell him to ignore her and just keep doing what he was doing. Another contractor testified saying that when Leona refused to pay him $13,000, citing shoddy work, he told her he had six kids to support. Her response? Why didn't he keep his pants on? Then he wouldn't need the money. It was also learned that even much smaller items were billed as business expenses, leaving more money in their personal pockets. Among these were bras, underwear, lace and satin clothing, and jackets. 
Then, another bombshell was revealed. Leona had even defrauded her own stockholders. She had been secretly taking an $83,000 a month fee for consulting, which was never reported on or disclosed. One key witness of the case, a housekeeper, testified under oath that she overheard Leona saying, quote, We don't pay taxes, only the little people pay taxes. End quote. This one comment would haunt the remainder of the trial and the remainder of Leona's life. The evidence was overwhelming. The trial was covered by media, including salacious tabloids all across the nation. As the story of the Helmsleys' hoarding of wealth grew, so did the public's animosity toward them. Meanwhile, Leona's attorney, Gerald A. Pfeffer, told the jurors that his 69-year-old client might be abrasive and rude, but, quote, I don't believe Mrs. Helmsley is charged in the indictment with being a bitch, end quote. He urged the jury not to hold her personality against her, but, If you can't even curb your attitude in court, can you really do so in everyday life? What else are you capable of? On August 20th, 1989, the jury deliberated and Leona was found guilty of her charges. After the verdict was read, the spent mogul begged the court for mercy. However, it was too little, too late. During the sentencing, Judge John M. Walker stated that Leona had been motivated by naked greed. She was originally sentenced to 16 years in prison, fined $7.1 million for tax fraud, required to pay back $1.7 million in back federal and state taxes, and to complete 750 hours of community service. Soon after her sentencing, a voluminous and aggressive appeal was filed by Pfeffer and Alan Dershowitz, but the best the appeal did was reduce her time in jail to four years. That's one-third of the original sentence. But for someone like Helmsley, she wanted to be completely absolved. With an ironic sense of poetic justice, Leona was scheduled to begin her prison sentence on April 15, 1992 the day that income taxes are due. In the end, Leona would only serve 19 months in a low-security federal correctional institution in Danbury, Connecticut, as well as two months under house arrest. She was released on January 26, 1994. Leona spent the next three years taking care of her husband and managing the hotel business. Whether it was genuine remorse or an attempt to rebuild her image, Leona became more charitable following her release from prison. She donated money in the 1990s to aid in the rebuilding of Southern churches that had been the victims of arson. She's also known to have given money to the families of firefighters following 9-11. She sent contributions totaling $25 million to New York Presbyterian Hospital and $5 million to relief efforts following Hurricane Katrina. Buildings in New York Medical University and Greenwich Hospital were renamed in the Helmsley's honor for their financial gifts. On January 4, 1997, in a Scottsdale, Arizona hospital, Harry Helmsley died of pneumonia at the age of 87. Originally, he was entombed in Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, New York, 
but was moved to lay in rest in a mausoleum in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery located in Westchester County. He left his vast fortune, worth over $5 billion, to Leona. Following the death of her husband, Leona spent her later years of life as a recluse. She cut off contact with her family and friends and stayed to herself, living in isolation with her canine companion, a small white Maltese named Trouble. But her legal troubles didn't end with her release. She continued to encounter lawsuits, such as one that resulted in a $1.5 million payment to the chief financial officer of the company while Leona was in prison. The former general manager of the Helmsley's Park Lane Hotel had been fired in 2001 because he was gay, and he was awarded $11.2 million in damages. On August 20, 2007, Leona Helmsley died of congestive heart failure at the age of 87. She died at her summer home, Dunellen Hall. Following a week at the Frank E. Campbell Funeral Chapel, she was laid to rest next to her husband in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. The mausoleum is set on three-quarter acres and cost $1.4 million to construct. There's a stained glass window in Tiffany style depicting the Manhattan skyline embedded in three walls. Yet even in death, Leona had high expectations and panned to rest in luxury. She left $3 million to the cemetery to ensure that they washed or steam cleaned the 1,300 square foot mausoleum annually. Leona left more than $4 billion to the Leona M. and Harry B. Helmsley Charitable Trust. She left two of her grandsons, David and Walter, $5 million in a trust and $5 million in cash each. The only condition was that they must visit their father's grave at least once a year. This was to be confirmed by trustees of the estate by annually checking the sign-in book at the Helmsley Mausoleum where Jay was buried. Her other two grandchildren, Craig and Megan, were excluded from receiving from the will, citing, quote, reasons which are known to them, end quote. Rumor is that they were omitted because they didn't name any of their children after their grandfather, Harry. The two filed a notice challenging the will, and Leona's executors settled the dispute quickly and quietly. The reasoning was that Leona was deemed mentally unfit at the time she signed the will. We'll find out why in just a moment, but Craig received $4 million and Megan received $2 million. Their condition was a gag order over anything said or published in regards to the dispute over the will. Leona's brother, Alvin, was given $15 million. Her chauffeur received 100000 But there was still some money left behind that we haven't discussed yet. This is where the money for Craig and Megan came from. As mentioned, Leona became secluded later in her life. Her only true friend? Her canine. Leona left her dog, Trouble, $12 million in a trust and appointed her brother Alvin as guardian. In fact, this move earned Leona some recognition, being listed third on a list of 101 Dumbest Moments in Business by Fortune magazine. But Alvin didn't want the responsibility of caring for trouble, so a new home was found. The dog was then flown by a private jet to Sarasota, Florida to live with her new caretaker, Carl Leckis. 
They lived in the Helmsley Sandcastle Hotel, where Carl was the general manager. A judge did find that $12 million was excessive to care for trouble and lowered the amount to $2 million. And Carl was paid a $60,000 annual guardian fee. Based on receipts, it was determined that it cost approximately $100,000 a year to care for trouble, which included $8,000 for grooming and $1,200 for food. But as the pet of a despised woman, Trouble had received many kidnapping and death threats along the way, so there was also full-time security for her. Trouble passed away in December 2010 at the dog age of 12, which is the human age of 84. She was blind and had many health issues the last few years of her life, but she still lived in luxury with around-the-clock care. Leona had requested that upon Trouble's death, she be laid to rest with her in the mausoleum at Sleepy Hollow. However, under New York state law, animals can't be buried in human cemeteries. Leona could have been buried in a pet cemetery, but not the other way around. Trouble was cremated and her remains are being privately retained. The remaining trust was sent to the Leona M. and Harry B. Helmsley Charitable Trust to support various charities. If you're interested in learning more about the Queen of Mean, check out the 1990 television film Leona Helmsley, The Queen of Mean. There are also books, The Queen of Mean by Ransel Pearson, Palace Coop by Michael Moss, and Unreal Estate, The Rise and Fall of Harry and Leona Helmsley by Richard Hammer. Alex Lippard created a musical, Queen of Mean, The Rise and Fall of Leona Helmsley, that began running across the United States in 2016 and was last shown in early 20. So keep your eyes out for a possible return after the coronavirus pandemic. That concludes this episode of Mugshot. As always, follow me on all social media outlets at the handle at MugshotPod. Until next time, stay out of trouble, or you may end up pictured in your very own mugshot. Mugshot.